Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program? I've been saving up the audio as it has come in in the last uh, several hours. We will get to the attack on New York here in, in a moment. There's some details now trickling out. If you haven't heard uh, this morning, someone uh, in a gas mask on a train threw smoke grenades and began shooting. They're very quick to say it's not terrorism. Not sure why. Early reports said there were other explosives involved. That's not true. But we'll get there. There's not a lot known right now. What is known are all of these. First of all, let's start at CNBC. Now let's go to the year-over-year numbers. Uh 8.5% usurped 79 8.5% remains a 41-year high. You have to go back to 1981. And finally, we're looking at year-over-year core, expected up 6.6, comes in at 6.5, taking out the 6.4%. So up at 6.5, we are now looking once again to comp back to 82. That remains the same. Oh, that was CNBC. Uh, just so you understand this, as we we're talking about in the first hour, March inflation, 8.5%, the highest since 1981. Gas prices are up 48.8%. Electricity prices are up 11.1%. Used car prices up 35.3%. Ground beef up 13.8%. Bacon up 18.2%. Eggs up 11.2%. Coffee up 11.2%. Yikes. Uh, here's Christine Romans on CNN. As expected, a big number, 8.5%, the inflation rate over the past year. That That is a big number. It is as expected, and it is the hottest inflation since 1982. That's sort of a broken record there, and you know what it all is. It is gas, it is shelter, it is food. These are three things that people really can't do without, right? So this is why you have so many people souring on the U.S. economy, consumers rather, because they're feeling this inflation all the time. Month on month increase. I like to look at this number because it tells you incrementally where you're going. That was up 1.2%. Really rare to see a big pop just in one month like this. I want to say, though, this is until the end of March. And as you've been reporting, and we've been reporting Oil prices and gas prices have been coming down. So in a way, this consumer price number is looking in the rearview mirror. There are some economists who are hoping this is the peak, this is the worst of it, and things begin to moderate into the summer. As you know, the White House is uh, releasing a a million barrels per day of oil. Our our allies are are, are pushing oil from their strategic stockpiles, too. So there's a lot of things they're trying to do. To, to ease the oil part of it. But when you look at the sectors, it is gas, it is shelter, it is food, it is used cars. These are numbers that year over year have had big, big increases in prices. And that continues again here in the month of Oh, no, notice, it, trying to do their best here for Joe Biden. Saying, this may be high. First, it was transitory. Then it was a good thing. Now it's Vladimir Putin's fault. Now it's, ah, this could be it. This could be the high. Here's CBS. Here at the White House, Tony, good morning. Aides here are warning that they're going to be, quote, extraordinarily elevated. Remember, these numbers are going to account for March, the first full month since that war in Ukraine began and gas prices started spiking. The White House says those price jumps are happening because of the war and what they call, quote, Putin's price hike. But remember, prices started spiking well before the war in Ukraine began. CBS News polling out this week shows 
shows nearly 70% of Americans disapprove of President Biden's handling of inflation. 66% say the higher prices have been difficult or a hardship. So as the president heads to Iowa today, the White House is expected to unveil a new attempt at helping drive down gas prices. The EPA is going to allow the sale of a special gas blend, that is, fuel mixed with 15% ethanol. Which is terrible for engines, by the way. This is what they're going to do. Uh, they normally don't allow this to be sold during summer months because it contributes so much to smog. But they're going to do it as a way to try to boost, um, it, it, try to boost gas uh, production or at least subsidized production of ethanol to fill up the tanks uh, to lower the prices it by the way don't use this stuff for if you've got small engines like lawnmowers and weed eaters and and blowers and stuff don't use gas that has this much ethanol in it it'll tear them up the biden administration you know it would make more sense to produce more oil as opposed to just subsidizing the farmers. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is this is really probably the most important one because this is the conversation being had on MSNBC. Here's Stephanie Rule and Mika Brzezinski this morning on Morning Joe. It ain't good. When you look at these numbers year over year, you said it. We have not been in this place in 40 years. And the biggest increases, it's gas, it's rent, it's food, all the things you need to buy every day. So the people who are already the most economically vulnerable are going to be hit the hardest. Wait, there's a little more here you need to hear. And you mentioned it. We've talked a lot about the good news about wages being up so much over the last year. When you account for inflation, hourly wages are actually down almost 3%. So that we talk a lot about all the savings Americans have, have built up over the last two years, over $2 trillion. That's mostly middle-income Americans, wealthier Americans. For those at the bottom of the economic scale, huge blow. Yes, it is. Um, this is... This is not good. Now, uh, she's asked a question by Mike Barnacle. Did the Fed underestimate inflation? Remember, it was going to be transitory. Did the Fed did the Fed underestimate inflation? Surely, right? For, remember, for months and months, I spoke to Janet Yellen months ago, and she was still on that. Oh, it's temporary. It's not going to last long. This is good. We're going to get through this when we get through COVID. Well, we're not through COVID, and now we've got more complications. They absolutely underestimated this. Yeah, we're not through COVID. You know, they're thinking of extending the mask mandate on airplanes now. By the way, there's a new study out, a research study, on 767 and 777 Boeing planes. Turns out even without masks, uh, COVID spread is mitigated by 99.8%, meaning you can sit next to someone, have COVID, and the person next to you isn't going to get it. That's how good airplanes are, particularly the 767 and the 777. Those are used a lot in, in transatlantic and, and the 777 trans-Pacific flights. And yet they're thinking of extending the mask mandate. The city of Philadelphia is uh, resuming the mask mandate inside because of the current COVID strain. And now some people are suggesting even schools are going to go back to it. All of these are problems, now, one more for you, and, and there's a reason, and, and I want to explain why I'm playing all of these clips from this morning's news after I get to them. Um, and this is the last one I want to play for you. This is from Bloomberg News. 
Yes, as a matter of fact, Tom, and we're getting exactly, almost exactly what economists forecast on a month-over-month -month basis in March. The CPI went up 1.2 percent. That's what was forecast. It was up eight-tenths of a percent the month before. <laughs> and on a year-over-year uh, -year basis, we're up 8.5 percent. So there's a rounding issue in there that yeah. uh, people will look for. But uh, the forecast was for 8.4 percent. It still leaves us in the same place. This is the highest inflation Ooh. since since January of 1982. Okay, there's a reason to play all of these audio clips. In large part, what you've just heard are CBS This Morning, CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, and Bloomberg. All of them non-Fox News. Now, ABC and NBC this morning on the Today Show and Good Morning America when all this came in, uh, they were talking celebrities and, and transgender cross-dressers. I'm not making that up. They ignored the inflation story. But the newscast throughout the day will have it. In fact, ABC updates and NBC updates are already including the inflation story. You can't get away from the inflation story. And notice what none of them are saying. That is Vladimir Putin's fault. Even MSNBC won't lay this at Putin's feet. And this is part of the problem for the Democrats. In 2018 or 2016, they blamed Russian interference for Hillary Clinton's loss. Then they blamed Russian disinformation for Hunter Biden's laptop. Now they're blaming uh, Russia for inflation. In fact, uh, a White House official, he's the spokesman for the National Council of Economic Advisors, is saying Republicans are in lockstep with Putin Blaming the White House for inflation when really it's Putin's fault. Yeah, that's right. The White House is saying if you complain about inflation, you're on the side of Vladimir Putin. That is their position today. Ron Klain, the chief of staff at the White House, is retweeting these things, blaming you and saying you're a traitor to the country if you blame them. Um, This is a problem, a real problem for the Biden administration, but more than them, he's not on the ballot. You know who's on the ballot? The Democrats are. Maggie Hassan, who is the Democrat in New Hampshire. Now, keep in mind, uh, Joe Biden got a higher percentage of the vote in New Hampshire than he did in uh, Georgia, Arizona, or Nevada. He got about 7% of the, uh, more than Trump in New Hampshire. And Maggie Hassan, the incumbent Democratic senator who is losing to the generic Republican in the ballot, has gone to the border and suggested they need something she calls a physical barrier to keep illegal immigrants from crossing. What, 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 what do you guys think a physical barrier is? What do you call a, a physical barrier that keeps people from crossing a property line? Would that, would that be a wall, maybe? She can't say we need to build a wall. She says we need to build physical barriers. This, this is actually, this is a shift among the moderate Democrats who even in New Hampshire are starting to worry that the border is going to have political implications for them. This is not good, all of this together, for the Democrats. I, I don't mean to continue on. I, I wanted to shift gears from the first hour, but there is so much of this today. It is so bad for the Democrats out there right now, this environment. And here's the catch. The prognosticators and pundits of America are out there right now saying, 
well, you know, this could mean a 20-seat pickup for the Republicans in the House of Representatives. And they're looking at all the data. This is becoming the conventional wisdom out there in particular because they uh, they can't conceive that Republicans could pick off seats that are Democrat plus seven, Democrat plus 10. Except, again, as I mentioned earlier, when you go to New Jersey and Virginia last year, every single seat Joe Biden won where he won by less than 11 and three quarters percent, 11.75% and lower, the Democrats lost every single one of those seats. So Joe Biden in some seats in New Jersey and Virginia, Joe Biden won those state legislative districts by 11.75% of the vote over Trump and the Democrats lost them last year. That could be a 30, 40 seat pickup by the Republicans. We just don't know. And part of why we don't know is we've never seen a time like this. Even when you go back to Jimmy Carter in 1980, the reason you never saw things like this, you saw accidental senators, they called them. Reagan's coattails were so big, a lot of people got elected to the Senate who really should never have won. They lost six years later. But when Carter was president, inflation was off the chain. You had the gas lines and the like, but still there was a lingering hangover from Watergate where a lot of people didn't trust Republicans. So Democrats were able to keep the House of Representatives. And in fact, uh, just practically, you didn't have the Southern switch yet that happened under Bill Clinton. So you had a lot of Southerners who were in the habit of voting Democrat, had not yet begun to vote Republican, and the Democrats could keep it. Now, two years after Donald Trump left the White House, The Republicans are trusted more than the Democrats. Every demographic group in America trusts Republicans more than Democrats on economic issues. We've never seen that happen in the country before. We're to some degree flying blind into the selection. We know the pattern. We know what happens. We just don't know how big a Republican wave it's going to be. And here's one point you got to keep in mind. No president has ever improved his polling between April and November of a midterm. You know, when I started out and could get nice quality sheets, I just thought I'm going to get a high thread count sheet. And if I get a high thread count sheet, it's going to be a really good sheet. Boy, did I learn that's not true. It's a myth. Bolin Branch, however, uses the best 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. You can get a really good high thread count sheet, but if the underlying sheet is, well, crap, um, it's not going to work for you. Bolin Branch, however, my gosh, their sheets aren't just buttery, breathable, and impossibly soft to start, but they have the sign, the number one sign of a really good sheet. The more you wash them, the softer they get over time, and they don't tear up. They just get soft. It's perfect. You can try Bolin Branch to the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They're so luxurious. They're beloved by three United States presidents. And they've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. I'm one of them. I love my Bolin Branch sheets. You can feel the difference the moment they come out of the bag and every wash. It's just, man, they just transition to softer and softer. They're fantastic. Right now, get 20% off site-wide April 11th through 17th only at boldenbranch.com. That's boldenbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com for 20% off site-wide April 11th to April 17th, boldenbranch.com. Hello there. 
The phone number, if you want to be on the program, is 877-973-7425. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide. I, I So there's a new talking point that the Democrats have been deploying, and it is called criminal carry. Now, if you don't know what criminal carry is, it is what the right calls constitutional carry what most outside observers would call permitless carry of guns. So for those of you who don't know because you've never bought one, when you buy a gun, every single time you buy a gun with very limited exceptions, when you buy a gun, you got to fill out a bunch of paperwork and you've got to sit around and wait for approval from uh, the ATF. In states that have concealed carry permits where after you've gotten permission to buy a gun because you've passed the the rudimentary background check from the ATF, you've answered all the questions and they clear you to buy a gun. Then when you want your concealed carry permit, you got to go be fingerprinted and you got to get the state's permission to carry your gun in public in a concealed or open capacity. Thereafter, every time you buy a gun, it speeds up the process a little bit because your fingerprints are on file and things like that, but you still have to fill out the form. It just speeds up the ATF getting back to you saying, okay. Uh, You can wait around sometimes 20, 30 minutes for the ATF to get back and say, okay, through the computer system. But you still have to go through it every time. Now, they talk about the, uh, the gun show exception, the gun show loophole. There are some situations with some vendors of individual sales who are collectors who will sell from one person to another where you don't have to do the background check. But overall, I've bought from gun shows. And every time I've bought a gun from a gun show, I've had to go through the same process every time. And what a lot of people don't realize is you can't just go into a gun store and buy a gun. You have to go in and fill out a lot of paperwork and then essentially get the government's okay on you owning the gun. The government run, runs a computer search, makes sure that you are not a criminal, not on some list of, of people not allowed to buy guns, and then you can buy the gun. Most people don't realize that unless they bought a gun. Now, more and more Americans have bought a gun, so they start to realize it. As a result, calling it criminal carry suggests that you, a gun owner who lawfully purchased a gun, through the proper process and the approvals are somehow a criminal. I know this sounds good to Democrats. I know it sounds like a great talking point for them, but it's not really. In fact, they will show you polling that shows 80% of people think you need to have some government permission to carry a gun in public. Now, if you rephrase the question, did you know you must go through a background check to purchase a gun? Should you have to go through that background check again to carry it? It changes the number. The Democrats are essentially phrasing the question to get a result that they want to hear. And they sell it to the media and say, look, overwhelmingly people think this is a bad idea. Well, based on the way you phrase the question, it is. But most people actually are okay with it. And it's bad of you, the Democrats, to try to call law-abiding citizens criminal carry It's not going to work for you the way you think it is. It's going to blow up in your face. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. There has been a shooting, as you probably know by now, in uh, the subway in New York. This is from ABC News. A gunman donned a gas mask, 
detonated a smoke canister and opened fire on a New York City subway train Tuesday morning, injuring at least 16 people and sparking panic during the rush hour commute. Ten people were shot and six suffered other injuries. Five people are in critical but stable condition. Police described the gunman, who is still on the run, as an active shooter. The bloodshed in Brooklyn comes amid a surge in crime on New York's transit system. The shooting, reported just before 8.30 a.m. local time, erupted on a Manhattan-bound in subway car as it approached the 36th Street subway station on Sunset Park in Brooklyn. According to the police, the suspect was seen mumbling to himself before he put on the gas mask, released a smoke canister commonly bought online, and opened fire with a 380 caliber handgun. There was there were no working cameras at the subway stop. No working cameras. Now, the, the suspect uh, was a man wearing a green construction-type vest and gray hooded sweatshirt. He is of heavy build and believed to be 5'5". Now I'm I'm reading through here because I, I I gotta I gotta see no no you would never know it was a black man reading the ABC News report you can learn that the man is heavy built five five wearing a green construction type vest and a gray hooded sweatshirt you will not learn that he was a black man. Uh, so you, you've, you've got a very broad category of people that ABC News very helpfully won't narrow down. Uh, they immediately have come out and said, well, it wasn't terrorism. How do you know? And this is part of the larger problem here. And this is the thing that infuriates so many people. The media's unwillingness to tell the full story because they don't want to participate in some narrative building. The suspect who opened fire on the subway is black. We know this from multiple eyewitnesses. We know this also because the New York Police Department issued a statement saying that the at-large shooter who they are looking for is heavy build about 5'5 and black. He was wearing an orange construction vest over a um, gray hooded sweatshirt. Well, the you know the fluorescent, the fluorescent chartreuse with orange trim work vest. In fact, several witnesses said they thought the man must work for the transit system. They didn't even question it until he put on the gas mask and pulled out the gun. The willing, the unwillingness of the media to talk about the race of the suspect continues to confound me. When, believe it or not, race is actually a helpful subject in trying to identify a suspect. Was he a heavy-built 5'5 Asian man? A heavy-built 5'5 Hispanic man? A heavy-built 5'5 white man? No, he wasn't. You immediately are able to exclude a large category of people and focus on where the suspect might actually be within the black community. That's not racism. That's a fact of the case at hand. All of this comes as there's a growing sentiment in the United States that crime is out of control. And the media plays a part in it by doing stuff like this.
they exacerbate claims of police violence, and that's not to say there's not. There is. There are police officers who behave badly. There will always be police officers who behave badly, by the way, because we will always have sinners in our lives. But the media now takes the individual police officer who behaved badly and expands it to the whole of the police force. You have the left wanting to defund police departments and the media drawing cover for them, saying, well, actually, it's not the official position of the Democratic Party. They want to nut pick on the right, that is, to pick out the fringiest view and extrapolate it all to the right, while they refuse to do that on the left. They play bias. And while all of this is happening, crime is increasing in the country. Crime is growing. Crime is perceived to be a problem. Doesn't matter what your data says. It is perceived to be a problem. There are some people out there who are adamant that crime actually isn't going up. Remember, there's not really a crime wave spike or it's COVID related. This is what the mayor of Atlanta used to say before she was essentially had to not run for office again because she wouldn't have gotten reelected that really it's COVID's problem. Everything was COVID's problem. If it's not Vladimir Putin's problem, it's COVID's problem. There is a roundtable discussion. Uh, the New York Times is doing a series of focus groups of people and they've done a discussion with conservative men. It was a multiracial group. It wasn't just a bunch of white guys. And what comes up repeatedly in this group and others is crime. People don't feel safe anymore. They don't feel safe that they can say something in public without getting canceled by a bunch of Twitter trolls. They don't feel like they can go to the grocery store without getting mobbed or mugged. They don't feel like they can go out and about without getting shot at. And, you know, in normal, statistically, if you are home in bed between midnight and 6 a.m., you are far less likely to be a victim of crime. But increasingly these days, in the middle of the day, there are shootings and muggings and carjackings. It's not just in the middle of the night. It is mostly in the middle of the night, but not always. So when I go into the city to Atlanta to stay... I had been staying at a hotel where, unfortunately, there were a couple of shootings. It's a very nice hotel. There were a couple of shootings. And I moved to a a really expensive hotel, probably more expensive than I should be staying at. But I did so largely because of the security issue. And I was, this has been the last year, was going to go out for a walk normally. Uh, stay in the, the northern part of the Atlanta area, which is called Buckhead. It's the financial area. It's the part that tried to break away from the city. And normally, I put on my running shoes, and at night, I don't run. I just go for a walk, a long walk, clear my head. And the valet of the hotel is like, Mr. Erickson, you don't want to go out. Like, well, why? I mean, I'll walk down the street to go to a restaurant. He's like, no, sir. We'll, we'll, you can use the hotel car service. It's not safe for you to do that. This is like the nicest part of Atlanta. And the valet at the hotel is very adamantly against the idea of me walking down the street, even a couple of blocks, because he's afraid I'll get mugged or shot. Now, when that's your hotel employees doing that, and by the way, hotel employees tend to be big boosters of the immediate area where they are because they want you to come back. And when they're doing that, you know you got a problem, and it's not just Atlanta. It's around the country. There is not a perception of crime. There is a crime problem. 
And one of the many layers of the crime problem is the unwillingness to deal truthfully and honestly with the crime situation in the United States. Uh, too many people want to, in various ways, politicize it for their own gain. Take, for example, the spa shooting in Atlanta, which we've talked about here. The reason for the spa shooting in Atlanta was not anti-Asian hate. In fact, the shooter loved the Asians a little bit too much. He was going to shoot up the spas because that's where he was going for sexual fulfillment. And he had become a Christian, had uh, mental health issues, and couldn't repent of his sin, had an addiction, a compulsion to go to the Asian-themed massage parlors for happy endings, and decided the only way to, to cure him of his sin was not to repent and trust himself into Christ, but to take matters in his own hands, contrary to Christian orthodoxy, and shoot the place up. And he did. And the media reaction was not to deal truthfully with the matter at hand, which was a sex addict shooting up an Asian-themed massage parlor where uh, it, he claimed he was going for sex, and that's how he needed to deal with his addiction. No, it was to say this was anti-Asian hate. And then when most of the stories about anti-Asian hate came out, it turned out that most of the perpetuators of anti-Asian hate the, the were uh, younger or middle-aged black men with mental health issues. And then you had a professor at the University of Boulder, Colorado, come out and say, well, actually, it's it's not really uh, racism. It's they're lashing out because of white supremacy. They are affected by it and taking it out on other people. That was the claim by the professor at the University of Colorado at Boulder, critical theory at large, that they were actually victims of, of white supremacy and they were lashing out at other victims of white supremacy. That was her explanation for it. And then when that got laughed at, the media just simply dropped the subject and moved on. because it's useful in this day and age to blame the white guy for the problems. Because the white guy, according to much of the media, is responsible for all the problems. Going back to the founders of this country, you know, we've revised it now to the 1619 Project where the country is systemically racist at its very core and we need to undermine its legitimacy altogether. And this is pervasive in how the media covers crime now. They will never ever talk about the shootings in Chicago. Why? Because it is most frequently black on black crime. It was stunning, I saw some people say, to, to have the media obsess about the, the Will Smith, Chris Rock slap because the media never covers black on black crime. And when you talk about it, of course, the propensity of liberals, as I'm talking about it now, the propensity of the left to say, you're a racist for talking about it. We can't talk about the truth of the matter asserted without being called a racist. We can't. Here in this case, we had a shooting this morning in the New York subway. A heavy built black man around 5'5", wearing a construction vest and a gray hooded sweatshirt, put on a gas mask, threw a smoke canister, started shooting up the place. If you go to the police, they'll tell you it was a black man. If you go to news outlets outside the New York Post, they conspicuously will not tell you that helpful thing to try to identify the suspect. And the question really should be why. Why won't they? Well, of course, we all know why. But they should have to answer it. The reality is there is real racism in America. There is. 
There are individual racists. There are pockets of racism, probably even some institutions that at their core have racist baggage, but not the United States of America itself. We have grown up. We move beyond it. But there are too many people who are too vested in perpetuating the stigma of racism for themselves to cash in, and it has perpetuated into the media. It is now pervasive to such an extent we can't have honest conversations about crime in this country because the media is more about narratives than they are the truths of what's going on in the country. And they have left helpful information off the table to try to find a criminal who shot up a subway system in New York City today, lest they be accused of perpetuating a narrative. And that's why so many people no longer trust the American media. Now, I want you to put your trust in a company that shares your values. They share your conservative convictions. They're Christians. They run a great business called Patriot Mobile, and they want you as a customer. And if you come to them as a customer, they want you to know they're going to take a portion of their profits, and they're going to give that portion of profits to the causes you care about, the Second Amendment cause, the pro-life cause, veterans, first responders, the conservative movement. But they got to have you as a customer to generate those profits. And don't worry about the service you're getting. You're not getting subpar service. You're getting the same service everybody else gets. Why? Because they use the same towers. So you can get 5G, you can get voice, you can get data, you can bring over your unlocked cell phone or get a new cell phone. You can even bring your number to them and keep your existing number or get a new number like I did. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them, 972-PATRIOT is their number. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. They will work with you. They give you great discounts. They're a good company. They share your values and they commit a portion of their profits to the causes you care about. Just... Use my name, you get free activation, 972-PATRIOT, or just go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. Less than 10,000 people watched uh, CNN Plus when it went live. You may not know that CNN has a new streaming service, CNN Plus. There are so many streaming services these days. I don't understand why anyone thought CNN Plus was a good idea. I think it was poorly thought out. Uh, Interestingly enough, they've spent $300 million on the subscription service so far with a budget of around a billion dollars, allegedly, spent over the next four years. And now they're already doing layoffs and cuts. It's just a poorly executed idea, I think. Uh, It just... In all honesty and candor, you know, I'm a CNN uh, fan. I used to work there. I have a lot of friends there. I've been very disappointed in their direction over the last number of years with Jeff Zucker. I think they have uh, gone too far left. They're trying to be MSNBC light. They've staked out a partisan line and a partisan view and an obsession with Donald Trump that I think is unhelpful and has been discrediting to them. If CNN wants a streaming service, my advice to CNN is to partner with Apple and go back to the headline news days and deliver actual news, not not the partisan, slanted, Washington-obsessed, anti-Trump screeds we have today. Just here are your news headlines and rotate them every 30 minutes and include news and sports, do some weather, uh, do the stock market and keep it recycled. And if you're on your Apple phone and, and you say, hey, dingus, 
Uh, what are the news headlines? Suddenly this latest CNN video feed pops up. It gives you the latest headlines in a nutshell. Uh, make it as ubiquitous across streaming services as possible. You know, CNN has that airline, airplane news service. One of the funniest moments of my life was uh, years ago when I was on CNN, I had to be on Wolf Blitzer. We had to pre-tape a segment because I had to catch a flight back to Atlanta. And I landed in Atlanta. And of course, you know, there were those CNN uh, headline TVs everywhere. And I'm walking through the airport in my clothes that I was on TV on, and there I am. And it was the weirdest thing to get off the plane, and here I am, and people are looking up at the TV, and people just glance and kind of jump. There I am. It was the weirdest. It really was the weirdest thing. Uh, And the service, I think, has degraded over time. They've just become way too partisan in their coverage. Their worldview is too D.C., New York, bubbly, progressive. They've got remarkable talent there, objectively good talent at CNN. They have a global news gathering apparatus. Their coverage of Ukraine is second to none. It's been deeply impressive to watch. When they get outside the progressive, anti-Republican, D.C., New York bubble, they have something to offer. And if they would take that and they would package it instead of trying to do these shows no one's going to care about and take their news service, partner with a technology company like Apple. Apple's now doing something with Major League Baseball that actually thus far looks pretty good with how it's doing it on Friday nights. Do that with CNN and have your news service uh, at a moment's notice ready to pop up on someone's phone or iPad or television and give you all the latest headlines you need to know, not from a partisan filtered standpoint, but from a this is the most important story of the day stuff. So what would it be today? It would be inflation is an important story. It would be the shooting on the subway is an important story. It would be uh, whether or not we're going to get oil expansion is an important story. The president wanting to expand ethanol production outside of the time frame where it's normally done would be an important story. Ukraine update would be an important story. The latest sports stories of the day would be important stories. A follow-up on Scotty Scheffler would be an important story. But so much of what CNN does is obsess about the inside the, the beltway, inside baseball, partisan spin, he said, she said, nonsense. Nobody's got time for that stuff anymore. There are too many important things. They want to improve the service. That's what they could do, and they should do it, and I think that would work. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. you got the economy. you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business, and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.